Welcome back to Messing With Yourselves, everyone. If you haven't joined us before, um, I just want to say I'm Nadia um, and this is Ella. Um, and the aim of this podcast is to discuss self-love, body image and start conversations about taboo issues that matter to students. Today we are excited to have a special guest with us who's Daniel Jones. He's a postgraduate research student here at Newcastle University and we will be discussing disability and the body positivity movement. So thank you so much for being here today with us, Daniel. We're so pleased to have you um, and feel that this is going to be a really important conversation. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and your body image journey, please? Yeah, sure. Um, so like you said, my name is Daniel and I'm um, a PhD researcher. So I'm doing my PhD in human geography um, based here at Newcastle. And, and I'm, I'm researching into the, <clears throat> yeah, I'm researching into the experiences of public space for people with Tourette syndrome. Um, so I myself have Tourette syndrome. And so I've always had, um, you know, a bit of a, a strange relationship with my body with, um, with Tourette's, meaning that I don't actually have full control over my body um, or, or its movements or, or my speech, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I feel like my, my um, relationship with my body has been, been a bit of an interesting one um, growing up, yeah. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I think that's really, really interesting. Um, so if we start off just with a couple of questions, if that's okay. Yeah, so the first thing that we wanted to kind of ask yeah, is yeah, how has the pandemic changed your relationship with your body as opposed to before the pandemic? Has there been any kind of change with how that's like affected you? Yeah, um, I mean, I guess prior to things, you know, being locked down and everything back in March, um, I was I was quite involved in sports, so I was I was competing in like adult leagues, so trampolining, and I was doing climbing and bouldering amongst other things. But obviously, all of that kind of stopped, and so you know, I like I found myself, um, yeah, I found myself kind of being unhappy with changes that I was seeing um, in terms of my body, um, and and yeah, I guess I was just kind of feeling anxious and stressed, and then that led to like stress eating, and then you know, it kind of fed back into this negative um, cycle of feeling a bit naff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it didn't, I personally found that during lockdown and during this pandemic, it's not, it's not necessarily been helpful to see everybody posting things saying, look how much um, I love my body and like, look, look at like my transformation pictures and things from lockdown. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it was quite hard seeing people um, post things kind of saying like, we, we need to love our bodies when, when you are feeling a little bit naff about yours. Um, so I don't know, I feel like lockdown, and the pandemic as a whole kind of made me just generally more aware of my body, if that makes sense, um, and kind of the relationship that I did have with it. Yeah, I think Ella had so, like, some of those kind of realisations, I guess, would you say as well? Because like Ella's spoken to me a little bit about how we've become hyper-conscious of our bodies and like their proximity to other people, um, but also kind of like mm. thinking about their functionality or their like appearance and kind of you tend to focus in more on one or the other I yeah. guess um so Ella do you want to share a little bit about that with Daniel because I think that's super interesting your insight yeah I mean I think I think the awareness is a, is a big aspect because I mean I'm quite a big advocate for like just letting your body take you through life without it being the forefront of like our consciousness but I think mm. in a pandemic like this one um the kind of our body has been place to the forefront more than ever in in many different realms um, and a bit like Nadia said the whole idea of social distancing is that we're kind of um like made kind of forced to be aware of our bodies and where we're standing and what where we're placing ourselves and I think that's um 
having a really interesting impact on people in many different ways um positive and negative I'd say yeah no definitely um I think that's such an important reflection it's also something that you don't even think about until like it kind of got said to me because as soon as Ella said that I was like that makes so much sense (laughs) I was like I hadn't come to that conclusion by myself (laughs) it's so interesting um so we're just going to move on to another question which is um how does your disability or neurodiversity impact your relationship with your body sure um yeah so as I already mentioned I I have Tourette's syndrome um which is characterized by tics which are like unintentional uncontrollable kind of like um movements or vocalizations and things like that um so in short, I have a limited extent of control over my body. Um, and I think it means the way it's kind of affected my relationship with my body is that it means that I, I need to kind of be more, more aware and more careful in terms of, of looking after it. So, for example, ticks um, generally hurt. Um, and and if, if I was to try and suppress them, it could lead to something that's called a tick attack, which is like a really heightened period of ticking, um, which in the long run, is more painful um but yeah I think it has been a strange relationship um or like a kind of strange relationship in terms of like my journey with with my with my body and its relationship but um yeah I think it's also almost as if like my body isn't necessarily mine sometimes because of this lack of control um so I think it's kind of a weird um there's like a weird tension there I suppose just to kind of follow on from what you were saying about control there do you ever feel like um uh, your lack of control over your body kind of manifests in other ways because quite often I feel like a lack of control um, has the capacity to contribute towards people kind of struggle difficulties with their relationship with eating um, so it's interesting the way that might interact with um, other aspects of how you kind of view your body as well. Yeah I think I think generally um, because it is something that I can't necessarily control um, I found it's not necessarily with things like eating or or like exercise like per se, but I think generally just in terms of like my everyday life, like I feel more drawn to doing things that I have more control over, I think just naturally because of that, potentially because of that like lack of control over my body. Um, but yeah, that is a really interesting point actually um, to bring up, I suppose, yeah. And sorry, uh, sorry to kind of go off on a tangent here, but um, I also wondered like in terms of social distancing and things like that has it has it had any impact on specifically pandemic related kind of ways we should be acting with our body more specifically like with with ticks so personally I have kind of ticks that end up being like directed at other people when they're in a certain space um and it's almost this idea of like when you're not allowed to do something your brain's like I want to do it I want to do it um so kind of this this idea like you have to kind of stay a certain distance apart from people um at the moment with social distancing it's quite it's quite hard because being aware of that I think subconsciously my tics end up kind of being directed at people um and actually I found that um as you know as as COVID-19 was becoming like more and more like understood um and like as it was kind of coming to the forefront of like the news and everything back at like the start of 2020 like I was developing these tics that um were kind of like exhaling air through my nose really quickly which obviously, and like touching my face and things. And it was all these things that like the government was saying, don't do, like, don't touch your face, like avoid doing this, avoid doing that. Um, so yeah, I think that was, I mean, you've got to laugh at it really, but um, yeah, I think that's that's quite interesting. Um, I think also I've just gone off on a tangent there, but um, <laughs> can you remind me what the question was? 
you basically answered it i was just wondering how your kind of tourette's kind of complicated the the government guidance and and the kind of the things that we've been told to control our bodies even more um and yeah i think that's really interesting to to like when you're told one thing i guess the nature of tourette's from what you've said is is to kind of do the opposite so it's kind of yeah interesting in that sense one thing that's really interesting um in terms of government guidelines as well is is this like necessity to wear a mask when you go to places so um that was like a really a really hard thing for me so lots of my um tics personally are kind of triggered when I feel kind of like enclosed like kind of a bit claustrophobic so as you can imagine wearing something over my face all the time (laughs) like it was kind of like triggering more tics and to a point where like if I was walking down the street wearing a mask like I would be ticking so much that the mask would just be kind of like coming off my face um which obviously defeats the whole point um, and I think that's something that a lot of people um from from conversations that I've had it seems to be something that a lot of people with Tourette's were struggling with in terms of like wearing a mask at, at first and kind of the um you know the looks or the comments that people would get if they if they didn't wear a mask because they were um medically exempt for example so I, I think that's um, that's quite interesting as well. I think it's it's quite yeah. From from conversations I've had with with other people who've got Tourette's, um, I think some of the government guidelines have been quite hard to follow. That's super interesting and not something I had considered before. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, do you feel like your personal experience with your body has been left out of the body positivity movement in that sense? And if so, kind of how? Yeah. Um, so I guess. I, like for some context, um, <clears throat> there's this idea called spoon theory. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but um, so spoon theory is often referred to within like disabled communities um, to kind of help us illustrate um, the like limited energy reserves that we start each day with as disabled people. Um, so, for example, you might start a day with, say, 12 spoons um, and a shower could take up three of those spoons. Cooking your own food could take up two, going to a lecture, four, et cetera, et cetera. It's different for every person. Um, and so personally, I found, <clears throat> excuse me, personally, I found that with the body positivity movement in particular, um, whilst like the body positivity movement might say something along the lines of, I feel good about myself because I'm beautiful. Like, I feel like I, I've almost been left out of that. So personally, I think if we instead approach it from um, what's, what's called like a perspective of body neutrality, um, which kind of instead says how I feel about myself has nothing to do with my appearance. uh, I feel like that's more of a productive thing um, in terms of disabled bodies, um, because it kind of changes the focus from the appearance to like the functionality and to kind of what your body can do. Yeah, I think that's important because I think sometimes for me, I, fi- I found that um, lots of kind of body positivity posts and movements as a whole can be sometimes quite toxic. Um, and I think, ugh, I hesitate to use this word, but sometimes a little bit like gaslighty if that makes sense um so it's kind of like suggesting that these negative feelings about your body are not valid at all um but i yeah personally i think it's really important to kind of acknowledge like feelings you have about your body so um one example i can think of is like as as the disabled community is one of the few kind of marginalized groups that anybody can enter at any point in their lives um I think a good kind of example to illustrate this is upon getting like, it's the example of getting a diagnosis. So realistically, if you were to get um, a, diagnosis of, a diagnosis of any kind of disability, 
um, you're going to end up kind of mourning like that loss of your old kind of able-bodied self and that that's just that's just going to happen like that that's inevitable so that could be things like clothes you can no longer wear or activities you you, you can no longer kind of do um, and I think it's really important to not just kind of shove those feelings um, to the side and I think it is really important to acknowledge them and I think that with the body positivity movement I think sometimes that isn't always considered because um, we don't always consider these disabled bodies um, in that and although I think that's obviously really really helpful and so, to some extent vital for people who are disabled to do um, I think there's definitely something that we could um, yeah that we can kind of bring or people who are able-bodied can kind of take from that as well if that makes any sense <laughs> that was very rambly I'm very aware of no it does no I think that makes complete sense and I think as well that's something that I hadn't even necessarily considered because I think something that's quite interesting is I've been quite consumed, I'd say, in the past by this toxic positivity. And I know that that sounds mm. like such a, it's something that people, that I still grapple with, I guess, because when I feel negatively about my body, I want to quickly shun those feelings away. But actually, I think what you've, you made the most amazing point there is that those feelings are important for as being part of the journey. You know, we can't just um, talk about all the positive mm. things and try and, like let go of all these stereotypically negative things because every feeling is valid. And I think it's so important that we respect our emotions, but also we try and look at the way that society is built around us to make us think more negatively than positively. I think that's where I'd like to go with my kind of journey on things, but in terms of the way that, because Ella is super, super up for the body, body neutrality. Like, <laughs> you love it, don't you, Ella? I, well, I just, I, I, I totally agree when you say, when you say about the, the kind of pitfalls of the body positivity movement. And in my own journey, I found it's kind of, I don't know, maybe this is putting it off too strongly, but it's kind of two sides of the same coin to some extent for me, um, where the kind of focus and the awareness that you were talking about earlier of, of your body is kind of the trap I fall into when I've actually the times where I feel like my relationship with my body has been best are the times where I've been too immersed in life and other things to be having to think about my body. Wow. I guess I guess with, with the pandemic and also perhaps with like a disability like yours, that's harder to um, reach, I suppose, that kind of lack of awareness. I think it's quite a privilege to, to have the health um, to be able to forget about your body and um, think about something else. Let's go on to the next question, which is, is there anyone that you find inspirational in the body positivity movement? And if so, do you feel that they represent your personal experience? Personally, I, I don't have like a specific person that I kind of like look up to in that sense. Um, I guess kind of like we just discussed, like I kind of as a whole more just kind of like identify with like the body neutrality movement and kind of just people situated within that rather than um, like one particular person. Um, but I think in terms of people that kind of like, I guess represent bodies that might be similar to mine, so like teretic bodies, um, I, I don't know. I, I think, um, I feel like this is a very obvious example, but for example, Billie Eilish is somebody who is successful in what she does and actually doesn't, I don't wanna say doesn't let like Tourette's affect what she does but like it doesn't look like it's it's been held back and obviously there's, there's kind of lots of discussions 
um, I'm sure you're aware of like kind of Billie Eilish and her kind of yeah experience with kind of her relationship with her body as well and I think that's really interesting um, but I don't know I kind of like the way that in those discussions at least as far as I've seen she hasn't necessarily said anything specifically about Tourette's it's just kind of on the side um, I don't know see I'm now thinking out loud now I'm thinking like maybe that's more again of like a body positivity thing because it's more about the aesthetics rather than what the body can do but um yeah on the whole I guess I just kind of identify with body neutrality as a movement more rather than like an individual um you mentioned kind of like functionality of your body as a kind of key aspect of the body body neutrality movement that you appreciate um but do you think that ever has kind of pitfalls for people whose body doesn't function um as well I guess other members of the disabled community mm. yeah um I think so so when I kind of refer to um like functionality and like of it like what what I feel like body neutrality is kind of leaning towards is not necessarily kind of being this like constantly thankful and like constantly super excited and grateful of what your body can do it's it's I think it's about acknowledging the limitations of your own body and then from there kind of thinking right now how can I like treat my body well based on that so that kind of goes back to the spoon theory as well um so like everybody would start off the day for example with, with different numbers of spoons um and like yeah I think it's just about realizing what your body can and can't do and not necessarily even being like totally okay with that but being respectful of that and I think that is um yeah one of the best ways you can kind of um, nurture more of a, of a healthy relationship to your body, I suppose. Amazing. What advice would you give to someone with a disability who's struggling to accept or love their body? I think it's like I kind of mentioned, like don't shy away from those feelings. Like it's okay to not feel amazing about your body. Like I don't want to use that kind of like stereotypical thing of everyone goes through this sort of thing, but but like, I think just kind of remember that everyone goes through their own individual journey in terms of their relationship um, with their body. And so there's not one kind of right way or one like ideal kind of relationship you can have with your body, if that makes sense. Um, so I guess kind of just, I don't know, I think, I think it's more of a process and more of like a journey of learning to respect your body's limitations. I think that's not something that can happen like overnight. I think that does take work um, and it takes, yeah, it takes work to kind of figure out um, things that you can do personally to help like some people for example might find reading really taxing and really like exhausting some people might find it um, really energizing um, so I guess it's just kind of having a look around and seeing what you can do just to kind of relax it and and and, and you know just kind of help your body recharge and, and just keep your body as healthy as possible um, so that it can do as much as possible um, but also I think it's simultaneously important not to or to try not to feel down about the limitations because everyone's bodies has limitations it just so happens that yours might, might for example it just so happens that mine is to do with Tourette's and a lack of control over my body um so obviously it's kind of a different different kind of story for everyone so it's hard to kind of say one singular approach but long story short just try and respect your body and and, and like learn about it and I guess what you were saying earlier as well, respect to the um, respect to your mind as well and your, the thoughts that come through. 
I mean, it adds it adds an extra kind of layer of shame, if you like, to yeah. to be shameful of your body and then shameful of the shame of your body. It's like um, that's not going to help anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. So we're going to go on to a quick fire round now. Um, so, <laughs> what's your favourite book? It can be anything in the world. At the moment, it's A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. Um, I'm reading it at the moment, so I like it at the moment, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might have to get back to us and let us know how it ends. <laughs> okay, amazing. So what's your favourite series? Oh, um, I think my guilty pleasure is something like Grey's Anatomy. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. It's so dramatic, so fake, but I love it. Yeah, I think everyone loves a bit of Grey's Anatomy. I think my housemate is obsessed with it. Like literally she binges. <laughs> she's, I think she's watched every episode like at least like five times. <laughs> um, and then your favourite podcast, if you have one. I know it's quite a new thing at the moment. Um, there is a podcast um, called My Dad Wrote a Porno, which is really funny. Um, if you it's kind of like it's a podcast it's three friends and basically one of their parents has written a bunch of erotic novels and they read through it and it's really poorly written and it's just really funny um so <laughs> if you need a laugh definitely definitely have a listen to it I remember I've been on like public transport before listening to it and laughing out loud I couldn't help myself um <laughs> I definitely recommend it amazing um What's your favourite quote at the moment? This cha this changes very regularly, but one I read earlier today was um it was like so, oh, I can't remember exactly, which is not the point of a quote, but um <laughs> it said something like "Be you, and the world will adjust." Um, yeah, I think that's nice. <laughs> yeah, I think like, even if that was misquoted, that was beautiful. <laughs> like, <claim. laughs> um, and have you got a little friendly reminder that you tell yourself, or like a little um? Yeah, kind of something that you want that you would tell yourself um, that kind of helps you cope, I guess. It's not necessarily something that helps me cope, but like a friendly reminder is to drink more water because I know I'm terrible at drinking enough. And I think lots of people are. So that's a friendly reminder to drink more water today. <laughs> that is. I'm so bad at drinking water. I can only drink like squash or tea because <laughs> I just find it like too boring to be <laughs> wasting my time on. <laughs> I'm the same. My Indian taste buds are like, I need a bit of spice, Nadia. <laughs> and I guess one more thing I just thought worth asking is just, um, what is there something that you would like other people to know about your experience about like of Tourette's that I guess people wouldn't, if they're not aware of it, that you'd want to say to them? Yeah, I don't know. I think people often don't realise that that Tourette's is what it is I think lots of people think it's more like swearing but it is this kind of like strange strange relationship with your body and this strange like relationship with the spaces that you find yourself in as well um and I think yeah maybe just kind of consider that I suppose in terms of Tourette's <laughs> well that's all the kind of questions that we had so I was just wondering if there's anything that you wanted to add about kind of your relationship with your body or the pandemic or just like where people can kind of find you yeah um so people can find me um on twitter usually i'm always rambling on there um <laughs> it's the it's d philip jones and philip has one l in it um yeah so now everyone knows my middle name which is great <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's that's where you can find many of my like ramblings about about Tourette's about disability and like about kind of um research that i'm doing as well 
Amazing. Thank you so much. And I think it's so um, inspiring as well that you're you're dedicating a PhD to something that's so personal to you. Um, I, f I feel like that would be, that's really kind of amazing. <laughs> well, I'm only in the first year of it. So fingers crossed. I mean, it's not going to happen within my funded period, but it would be very nice to get it done in like three and a half years. <laughs> but Ooh, probably four years time. So not for a while, not for a while yet. Well, I wish you all the best of luck with that. It sounds incredible. It honestly sounds so inspiring and you're a much better person than I am because I tried to do my dissertation. I, when I was looking at different things to do on my dissertation on, I decided I was like, okay, I'm going to do it on race because like it's a personal experience and I'm passionate about it. And I literally was way too emotionally involved mm -hmm. to be able to actually do it. <laughs> so like, kudos to you. <laughs> it's hard to not be emotionally involved. Like it's so hard not to be involved um yeah especially like when you're hearing all these stories from like your participants and you're like oh I need to stay neutral but I'm so invested <laughs> <laughs> it is it's one of those things isn't it and that's something that I don't think gets spoken about enough that like the things that we go through is like our expertise yeah. like it's our, li our lived experience is our expertise but it's so it's so difficult to put that into academia because it, everything in academia is quite rigid and structured so I think yeah, I massively like take my hat off to you for that because I had to, I ended up having to do mine on something very different. It was still something I was super passionate about, but it was something that I was kind of separate from in a way. So um, I think that made it a little bit easier to be able to kind of like separate myself. So yeah, must be super tough, but that's incredible. And it's definitely valuable like research. It's going to make a difference. So yeah, I'm excited to one day see your name in life. <laughs> Well, it's been amazing, amazing to talk to you. Thank you so much for volunteering to come on. Um, and our campaign launches yeah, tomorrow when we're recording this. So keep your eye out for all the other events and things we've got lined up. Yeah, amazing. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Yeah, have a lovely rest of the the week, the rest of the pandemic. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hope you're enjoying your daily exercise and everything. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That can be a friendly piece of reminder. <laughs> Yeah. Take take your walk. <laughs> Get your water, take your walk. Well, thanks very much everyone for listening and we'll see you in the next one. <laughs> Bye.